Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you, Lizzie? Good. So I guess we'll start off. I'll introduce myself. My name is Lizzie, and I live in North Texas with my husband and five-month-old son. And I work as a client uh, manager for a tax consulting firm. Great, great. And my name is Abby, and I live over on the East Coast. Um, I work in the nonprofit world in D.C., um, and I am I am single, and I have three amazing roommates, and I'm close to my family over here on the East Coast, but originally moved here from Texas. All right. So today uh, we are talking about Myers-Briggs, something that I know Abby and I have had numerous conversations about because um, we think it's a very important uh, tool to know yourself, to know others, and then mm-hmm. to really quantify uh, personality traits that really um, kind of open up the person that God I guess the personality that God gave to you. Definitely. And it's something that I've just kind of stumbled upon late in college. I think even after maybe I graduated um, and just found it to be very eye-opening and explaining some personality quirks about myself that I, you know, I know I'm an extrovert, but would struggle with, you know, needing some downtime and was like, well, is something wrong with me? Or, you know, why is this, why is this the case? If I'm an extrovert, <laughs> I should always want to be in the thick of things. Um, so I just found Myers-Briggs to be really helpful. And so just to kind of kick it off, I'm going to explain a little bit more about the different components to Myers-Briggs. Um, there's 16 different personality types, um, which according to this, this theory, this process that you can kind of type different people into, and this isn't to put people in a box, but just to really give us a better understanding of how you know, different people think and to understand and to give words and expressions to those differences. And so the first category is, um, is mind, they call it mind. So it's introversion versus extroversion. It's kind of where you get your um, your your best headspace in, and we all kind of I think most people could talk to the difference between being an extrovert or. And the second is your energy, so it's kind of how you see the world and you process information. And those two different um, paths you could be under is intuition or observant or sensing. And the third is going to be nature, so it determines how we make decisions and also cope with emotions, and that can be thinking or feeling. And the last one is tactics, and I love this because it really helps to explain our, our external, how we you know, work, how we plan, make decisions. And I think it really makes a big difference for many people. And those two different ones are judging or perceiving. And so the idea is that each person will be under one of those two categories. You could be an extroverted, a sensor, a thinker, and a judger. Or in my case, you could be an extrovert, an intuitive, a feeling, and a perceiver. And so those kind of things <laughs> just help to shape how you take in information, how you process your emotions, how you you build out your decisions about things and how you act on those. And so, so as an ENFP, um, there's different, you know, personality things that go into that. But like I said, with the extroversion piece of that, for me, knowing that I love people and Lizzie can attest to this, um, (laughs) that also, but recognizing that for, for ENFPs, they tend to be the more introverted of the extroverts and need time to process, especially negative emotions. They just need more time to kind of sit back and really process their emotions. Um, I love being in the thick of things, but I know that when I've gone through a lot of stressful times or things have been really busy, I do need to just, you know, be real with myself and take some time to, to think through things, to really make decisions practically and, and logically and not just rush into it. And that kind of goes into my decision-making processes. I love kind of just knowing all the things. And I think this really comes through in travel. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day <laughs> when I'm traveling. Um, I love to just do a lot of you know research and get really excited about the planning and all the things that I could do. And you know, the potential is just exhilarating. Uh, but when I get there, I don't actually like to have a strict schedule. It's kind of like, oh, I'm feeling like a coffee shop right now. And this, you know, this blog that I came across in my, my, my searches recommended this place on this corner. You know. 
Hello, little guy. Sorry. No, I love it. I've got a little question. You're okay. You're okay. Sorry. No, this is real. I love it. Uh, Those are just some of the things that I really appreciated about knowing myself better through Myers-Briggs and recognizing that be patient with myself more and realizing you need time to, you know, process those, those emotions and to really be patient with how you feel and that other people handle things differently. And there's a great beauty in that. But I think I was actually talking to my roommates about this and they had some, some words it wasn't about how Myers-Briggs helped to conceptualize how other people think differently. And that may seem... I think he got hungry. He decided it was time to <laughs> He is very much an extrovert in that, I think, maybe. Would you think he's more of an introvert? Um, I'm not sure. I think he might be a little bit of both because he likes to see what's going on, but he doesn't like to say much when we're out and about, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah so even just kind of understanding that you know different people think differently and and respecting those differences and not thinking of Mm -hmm. as something that you need to change them or to you know to change yourself either but that you're different there's complementarity in that we learn from each other we're better as a community because of those differences and we I think ultimately have a better well-rounded perspective on things through those those unique perspectives and different personalities Um, but I know we've talked about that a lot Lizzie Um, do you what are your thoughts on on the Myers-Briggs. Yeah, so I think that definitely covers um, definitely covers a lot of the, the basis of just sort of the overall um, idea of it. Um, I know in my personal experience, I found that Myers-Briggs can help me understand why certain people are um, more, I guess I would say, like refreshing to the soul to, yeah. to me, um, because we do have some of those complementary traits. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Myers-Briggs is INFJ, so I'm an introverted, um, intuitive, feeling judger. So that's my kind of me in a nutshell. And for me, finding out what my Myers-Briggs was really helped to um, kind of, it helped me to understand why I felt everything so deeply. I always just thought maybe I was like a super sensitive person and yeah. I felt um I could feel the emotions of other people around me. I thought, you know, that was a little bit odd and very exhausting. And so learning this about myself really helped me to understand what sort of gifts that I had that are God-given that I needed to be working on in order to really harness those functions of my personality. Um, And so um, it, it definitely did not really shape a lot of my decisions as far as like my career. Um, yeah. I guess it a little bit, but I think if you look on the um, the INFJ section, it suggests that you become a counselor or a teacher. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I do both of those things at my job since I work with clients and I um, constantly fielding complaints and explaining things and uh, acknowledging people's emotions over um, <laughs> certain tax related things. <laughs> People can be very emotional about taxes sometimes. Um, but it definitely, so that's what I, I really appreciate about it is that while it does give you a way to quantify who you are, it doesn't necessarily dictate, oh, well, this kind of person is absolutely only going to be this sort of profession and is going to fail everywhere else. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. And so I also wanted to speak to, um, I guess, the differences in Myers-Briggs and how that's helped a lot in my marriage. Um, so my husband is an ISFJ. So we are very, very similar. 
both introverted. However, the way that he views the world is very sensing. And I mean, if there's a spectrum at all, he's like all the way over on the S and I'm all the way over on the N. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so that can really change the dynamic of how we, um, I guess, how we are experiencing different events and then how we process them too. For my husband, if he's not in the moment right then, it's really difficult for him to call back some of those emotions and to call back how he was feeling at that time, which, you know, for me, I could do that all day long. Um, I know Abby, you and I can get nostalgic for days and days. (laughs) He's like, well, I'm not there right now. So, you know, there's, there's no reason to go back to that. And it's just Mm like, much to so many layers we have to peel back in order to really appreciate experience I will like return and talk about the same things like all the time but there's always like an excitement and joy in exactly exactly and and for me you know I'm always asking him questions like you know what what shaped you today how are you different today because of your experiences and he's like I don't know (laughs) just am (laughs) that's so funny because I love that it it was it was very eye-opening I think for both of us to realize that the other one, while we are so similar, the way that we view the world is going to be very, very different. And I think it helped us become a little bit more complimentary. Um, I know for me, if I want to really speak to him, I need to use his, um, his senses. So, um, you know, asking him to, to smell something and, and say, what does that remind you of? Or what does that pull back for you? Or um, walking around uh, or driving around our hometowns is always another good one to say, you know, what, what do you remember when you look at this corner or when we go past this building or, you know, what have you different areas of town. So knowing that, that that's how I have to tap into his, his heart was really helpful. And then of course, for him, it was helpful to know that while of course I can do that too, you know, all he has to do is ask me like a, a really intuitive question, you know, like what sort of, what sort of things are you pondering in your heart? And of course I'm like, Oh my goodness, you just get me. (laughs) So, so I think that, you know, if you're, you're married or even dating someone, um, or if you're uh, considering engagement or that stage in your life, I think it's, it's very helpful to know. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I think it's very helpful to know that about yourself and about your the person that you're interested in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a beautiful example. And I love the way you kind of parallel that you both have, have like sought after each other in a more intentional way, knowing that about each other. So it isn't just kind of like happens chance, but there's really, we are able to love each other better because of this knowledge about the other. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think ha- having those differences has kind of forced us to be a little bit more intentional about how we go about learning more about each other since it is so different and we do have to put so much thought into learning how the other one thinks yeah no that's awesome it is you know this is just funny it's kind of cool to hear that because even my roommates and I have somewhat used this as just to help get to know each other better and our different habits as as people because we actually none of us really knew each other at least not well I had never met any of them before I moved in um so brave so brave that's a in me crying out that that would just be horrible <laughs> but it's funny because like I just had so much peace about it that I just you know I was very confident that it was going to be going to be good I don't think I also thought that much about it kind of going back to the perceiver I was like this would be great like we'll kind of roll with the punches we'll just see how it goes and it'll be great you know um 
which apparently that phrase, it'll be fine, is a very common perceiver thing to say, like, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, but it is funny because in our house, we actually, there's four of us total. We have two people who are ENFPs and two who are INFJs. And, and there's, I mean, there's only so much stock to put in this and not to put people in boxes like you pointed out, but there's also a beauty and like, there's a lot of complementarity between those two personality types. So it's always fun, but it's also good to know, like one of my roommates, um, is not a big fan of pets. She just has like really unfortunate allergies. And so realizing like, while I may daydream about dogs and having a pet all the time, like just to be aware of that while daydreaming for me is not reality, it, it might be seem more real to her and being aware of like how to be sensitive to each other and not putting stressors into our home environment that could, you know, lead mm-hmm. to tension that isn't necessary. So that's just a small example, but it was just really important for me to realize like, oh, I know how to speak to this now because I know you better because of this. Mm-hmm. So. That's a really interesting. And I, I think I do see that a lot. Maybe this has to do more with the sensing versus the intuitive, but one person having daydreams and dreaming out loud and then the other person being like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> freaked out thinking like wait a minute now we don't want to we don't want a pet but like also knowing that you need to let the other one experience that and not necessarily be a a dream dream crusher as they say (laughs) but I think that's good since since I I have that same type as um some of your roommates the INFJ that's good for me to know that depending on what my children may have as far as their Myers-Briggs to be aware that that may be just part of what they need to do is to daydream and yeah. If I'm that practical mom, that's like, absolutely not. We are <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> I could really squash some imaginations and yeah. have kind of negative impact on them, which is definitely the exact opposite of what I want to do. No, I'm sure you'll be very attentive to that because you have this knowledge. But it is just funny <laughs> you mentioned that with your mom, with as being a mom. And there's, I know I have, I'm going um on a trip soon, and my mom was asking me like questions like, oh, how many people are in the group? You know. Just like actually very practical questions that I never thought to ask. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I think there's like a, I was going to say like a number that I had just assumed, but I didn't have any reason for thinking that. So yeah, it's good to be aware of that stuff, but also so you don't, again, put stressors on another person unnecessarily. (laughs) Right. Out of curiosity, do you know what your mom's Myers-Briggs is? Have y'all ever had a conversation about that? Um, we haven't, you know, we've talked about oh, okay. the, the personality types and whatnot, and I have suspicions um, of what, <laughs> what I think she, that her personality type might be. But I think that unfortunately, there's been a lot of, you know, people tend to be concerned about the risk being put into a box. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I totally can respect that. I don't want to minimize the fact that some people do, it, it, there's a, there's an opportunity to maybe misuse a Myers-Briggs, I would say to like, Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're an ENFP, so you must be bubbly and lighthearted all the time and unintentionally oh, sure. flirt with everyone. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, Is know. that really one of the, like, <laughs> characteristics of an ENFP? Which one? Being accused that of you being... flirt unintentionally? Yeah, not intentionally. It's just, like, I love interesting. Like, I don't know. It happens, like, be like, oh, yeah, like, usually with cashiers just a life experience that I realized I need to be aware of that but no it's yeah it just is one of those things <laughs> oh that's funny I had no idea that was one of them <laughs> that's that's fantastic yeah I wonder what that would be like if like when you get married not if you get married when you get married um you're you're just trying to have a conversation and your husband thinks that you're like laying on the moves and he's like oh hello <laughs> wait a minute now I was just talking I wonder if that will become a a thing. I'm curious to see how the future will unfold. 
I will I will keep you posted. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? And well, I thought you were flirting with me. Like, no, I was just talking. We we're talking about groceries. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. Yeah, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened. <laughs> this, is, this is very true. But that kind of seems like a maybe a good segue to something that the other part of the knowing thyself that we wanted to talk about today too. And do you want to kick it off into that category, Lizzie? Yeah. So we want to talk about something that um, I know a lot of people have just recently been discovering, and that is uh, love languages. So uh, Gary Chapman is a, I believe he's a counselor. Um, specializes in marriage counseling, and he had come up with the five love languages. And his book is very, very good. I definitely recommend it. There's a couple of different versions. I know they have one for um, you know, just like his regular book, and then he'll have one if um, you're in the military, if you are um, kind of some of the different professions that can really impact your day-to-day life. Wow. Um, but so the five love languages are uh, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, and gifts. And this is something that we had kind of stumbled across, um, I think before, right after college. So we were all kind of still in that phase of really figuring out who we are and where yeah. our place was in the world. And um, so, of course, we all went online, took the quiz, <laughs> read the book. <laughs> Some of us didn't. It was just kind of one of those things. And um, so for me, I had found out that words of affirmation was a big one for me. And then quality time, which definitely makes sense given um, the things that I treasure, which is good conversation, kind of that carefree timelessness where you lose track of time and you're just so in the moment and things are just so beautiful and golden. I mean, that's just speaks to me so much. So, um, but something that I thought was interesting was that I felt like my love languages have changed and developed. Whereas the Myers-Briggs is very much, I'm not to say that you can't grow and change, but it's pretty set. Definitely Mm -hmm. something that is God given. And while you may change and kind of flirt the line with two of the distinctions, Typically, you don't change all that much, but with the love languages, I found as my stage of life changed, some of those kind of changed as well. And depending on who who I was around changed um, the love languages as well. How the people around me showed, showed love, gave love, impacted me, I think, because I was just so used to receiving that kind of love. So a really good example is um, words of affirmation. So when I lived with three of my best friends after college, we were all, of course, you know, 20 somethings, young, positive words of affirmation were just flowing like, oh, you look so cute in that outfit or girl, you're the best or, you know, all kinds of fun things were, were said. And so that kind of flowed really naturally. Um, so it wasn't something I felt like I really had to seek out. Mm-hmm. This time went on, and then of course, as I met my husband, he's he's a very very good husband, but he did have to learn that it's not enough to just think, "Wow, she looks really good today." He has to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but for him, physical touch, just cuddling and holding hands and stuff, that was really important. So I kind of learned as our relationship got deeper and deeper, and we got engaged, that physical touch started to also fill me up 
almost just as much as words of affirmation. And he had said that the same thing happened for him. Physical touch became less important and words became a little bit more important because of course I give them out like, you know, free for free, just all over the place. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's kind of a quick overview, my take on it of just that I think they're a little bit more fluid and it's good if you're really trying to know yourself, it's really good to kind of reevaluate that every so often, especially as your life is changing and the people that you're spending your life, most of your life with is changing, that it's good to just be aware of, you know, maybe, maybe something isn't as important to you as it used to be. And, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah that's so awesome. any thoughts from your end, Abby? <clears throat> no, I just, I love the way you framed that as how like the different stages of your life kind of roll by and, and kind of, you know, past change over us in a way that we we also get to have that opportunity to grow and to develop and also I think like you said it's almost well sorry back up what really struck me is you were describing how um uh, when you were getting ready for marriage and realizing like how your love languages had changed a little bit that almost I wonder maybe I'm just you know getting some thoughts out there but if because of your care for the other person your love languages changed because you saw how much those acts of love brought joy mm-hmm. to them and brought comfort to them that it also began to fill you up more that's a really cool way that there's like no, reciprocity in that. But, yeah that's really interesting <laughs> I mean just yeah I'm just wondering about that I mean it's interesting too because like for me it's similarly kind of realizing what my love languages were I mean I remember taking you know, the Myers-Briggs and being like oh this this makes sense and it, like it felt very comfortable to like understand names for what I had kind of noticed in myself over the years but I do remember taking the love languages and being like what <laughs> being genuinely baffled about that and it took me a while okay. of like reading into it and thinking about it to really to accept it I guess not not to accept it but to realize that like it was actually very accurate and because for me the first thing that came up was physical touch um <laughs> and I am not the one to just go around liberally doling hugs and I don't like it when people just like invade my personal space who I don't <laughs> Um, it's don't a little touch off, me. Don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why I was like, how could I possibly be, you know, a love languages person um, mm-hmm. while not being, not enjoying being like touched like that. But what it made me realize is that um, more so was that because that means so much to me that when people just kind of take it for granted or just like very kind of loose in a way with their physical affection, uh, it, I don't know how to take it as seriously because it means a lot to me. And that could be anything mm-hmm. like a hand on the shoulder, a good hug, or like, you know, just sitting next to people on the sofa, like watching a movie and that proximity is very meaningful to me. Um, and just realizing that it's not the same for everyone. So being aware of like what, what the signs and symbols mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Getting sure, to yeah. people and just being aware of that. Um, but so for me, yeah, it's uh, physical touch was my first again, which kind of blew my mind for a little bit. Um, and the second one, I think it was words of affirmation. I, I honestly was so taken aback by the physical touch that I don't particularly remember what the second highest one was. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I love that it's percentages. So it's not like no one doesn't respond to any, you know, there's like not like, oh, I just don't really get it with access services really doing anything for me, but it can just be like a much less significant means of receiving mm-hmm. love. Um, but it's also helpful to know like other people's, like for you knowing that words of affirmation are really important to you that it's like, I can think mm-hmm. about that when I want to like, how can I like affirm Lizzie and like show her how much I care about her as a friend and you know, just whatnot. But knowing that these, there's like keys to your heart in a way, like help to show you that more, um, more 
adeptly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's something also just struck my mind too. I think that there are certain certain love languages that are naturally going to follow you through different life stages. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking like when you're young, you're really young, as you're growing as a person, you definitely need lots of words of affirmation from your parents, from your teachers, from, um, you know, all, all the people that you see that are helping you reach your goals. That's sort of something you need as a child. Um, I think that, you know, as you get older, you kind of come into your own. And then a married friend of ours, uh, Madeline, had once said that, you know, acts of service used to be not really high on her list at all. Mm-hmm. But then after you get married, all of a sudden, somebody saying, hey, I just did the dishes. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that just spoke to my heart. You know how to love me or and I've seen that definitely in my in my own life. I mean, so I'm a working mom and it's, there's definitely a lot of struggles that come with that. My, my husband stays home with our son and then he works on the weekends at the hospital um, as a physical therapist. And so one of the ways this just happened a few days ago, sitting on the couch thinking, man, I really need to get up and start prepping for the day or, you know, for the next day. And one of the things that that includes is washing my pump parts, which any working pumping knows that you hate washing your pump parts <laughs> it's the biggest chore there's all these crevices and you got to be super careful because you miss something all of a sudden you know this bacteria growth can start and it's just oh, it's very overwhelming and it's a very annoying task and so before I was married acts of service never were really high on my list either but the other day as I was sitting on the couch I look over and there's my husband standing at the sink and he's washing my pump parts and I was just like oh my goodness gracious I don't think there's another gesture in this world like he could have handed me a million dollars and it wouldn't have meant as much <laughs> washing those pump parts <laughs> so so I think that just you know depending on what your responsibilities are in the world and what sort of things that you have to deal with day in and day out that can definitely also shape what really speaks to you and what um what refreshes your soul yeah yes that's so true I love that that's uh, hey there uh, little guy about <laughs> that I know <laughs> but it's so true um and just realizing like when people it's almost like comforting when you realize that someone understands how to love you Mm-hmm. it's like oh, oh very much so. you know I mean like it's important to be able to express that and explain it to people but it's always such a gift when someone just like like for me like I was having a really bad day one time and I came out of my room and my, one of my other mates was like standing outside my door which was like oh hi um and she's like just need a hug and I, this is like a month after we had all moved in and I'm being like I don't know you but I really appreciate that um, and just that you know gesture that someone was willing to like kind of break that touch barrier of like I want to support you and this is a way in which I can very tangibly give you comfort and, and show love to you oh so. that's so beautiful yeah I'm really fortunate and I, know you, and I know you and I know that you probably were just like just melted after that yeah. hug <laughs> you were probably thinking oh yes yeah somebody to touch me and love me <laughs> hug quote I mean it's a real thing oh before we yes. before we like completely get off topic can we read the burrito example oh yeah do you have that handy i do one second let me pull it up this is no you're fine i just think it's one of the funniest things and for anyone who has any lingering 
questions about the love languages. I have to share this. And this came from, I think, an Instagram post that Jackie Francois shared on Instagram that I just thought was genius. And it goes, the five love languages. Words of affirmation. This is a good burrito. Acts of service. I made you a burrito. Receiving gifts. Here's a burrito. Um, Quality time. And let's go get some burritos together. (laughs) And the last one, my favorite, is physical touch. Arms around a person wrapped in a warm hug like a burrito. Like a burrito. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I definitely think that. The, that, that that particular analogy definitely confirms for me because if somebody said, let's go get burritos, I would be all over that. <laughs> like, <why laughs> Yeah, let's go get in and out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yes, Abby, that takes me back to our, our Sunday nights after studying and just getting a little crazy. And by getting a little crazy, I mean driving with the windows down to go get in and out. Oh, oh yeah. That was our, our um, quality time. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, this is every all nostalgic on y'all. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we got to save that for our uh, phone calls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. But this was such a treat to be able to talk with you more about that and for hearing some like new perspectives that you had on, on the love languages. I don't think I had heard all of your, your ponderings. That's really cool. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Yes, thank you. I really appreciated that um, that new explanation of the mind, energy, nature, and tactics. I'd actually never come across that, so that was really interesting and definitely very eye-opening as far as describing those different categories, so I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, definitely, and I will, I'll share the link that I got that web, that article off um, in the show notes if anyone was curious about looking at their Myers-Briggs and figuring out what type they are, and we can share some of the language stuff as well. Yes, sounds good. Well, Lizzie, this is a treat. <laughs> yes, thank you. Same to you. Same to you. And I look forward to our next uh, our next podcast. And hopefully we'll see all of y'all then. Perfect. Bye. Bye.